This is episode 55 of the Popcast. This is the best episode ever of the Popcast. Welcome to the Popcast, a weekly podcast all about pop culture in three regular segments. We're your hosts, Maureen and Josh Goldman. Welcome back, everybody. We are deep into summer at the end of July, finally. Maureen, I have I have something about summer that is, is not sitting well with me. How hot it is? Well, how hot it is, but also how much frozen yogurt I've been eating. In fact, I got some tonight. I went to the grocery store and then I went to frozen yogurt. Yeah, I don't do that in the winter. But the summertime, there's something about summertime frozen yogurt. I think in the past week I've had it four or five times. Well, you're turning into our son because he's also a frozen yogurt addict. Well, let's say. He prefers to eat it before dinner, if you ask him. So. I think more more realistically, he's turning into me because he. Yeah, that's I true. take him to frozen yogurt and he's like, this is the best thing ever. I mean, I'm not going to complain. Yeah. It's delicious. And I'm looking forward to eating it after our podcast tonight. <laughs> But darn you, Summer. Uh, for those of you wondering, mainly our one of our frequent listeners, Maggie, our cat Oliver is in fact in the room tonight while we are recording. Usually we have to let him sleep on the couch outside while we record on our bedroom floor because he jumps around and makes noise and mostly meows at Josh to be pet. But right now, you guys, he is sprawled out on our bed snoozing just in the cutest possible way you wouldn't know this from you know looking at him when he sits on his like hind legs but he is so long like he's such a long cat and he's stretched out fully right now so sometimes we call him our little long body because he's so long all right maureen should we jump into the snack bag let's do it we just have a couple items and i'm sad to report that the first one is is a pretty sad sad story And it it will hit especially home for us because we're so familiar with this person's work. But Russie Taylor, who is the voice actress behind Minnie Mouse, has passed away at the age of 75. Oh, my god! She's been the voice of Minnie Mouse for 30 years. Wow. And, yeah, she obviously, if you've ever seen a Mickey Mouse or, you know, a Minnie Mouse in, in a cartoon, she was the voice. And interestingly enough, she was married to the person who was the voice of Mickey Mouse until he died in 2009, and then they got a new Mickey Mouse. So this is very sad. Our son Caleb watches Mickey Mouse every morning, so we're very familiar with her work, very consistent, very delightful, and she was actually nominated for an Emmy in 2018 for her work as Minnie Mouse. I'm not going to lie. Anyone out there who has a child may have also done this, but I've tried to like impersonate or do the Mickey and Minnie voices like when I'm, you know, it's really hard. It's really hard. I can't do it at all. I'm horrible at it. So, I just think it's very it's a very unique skill and for all of those of you out there who are listening, even if you don't have kids, maybe you should go ahead and try this. <laughs> Push pause on the podcast and try to make a Minnie or Mickey voice and just see how hard it is. Okay, our second snack bag topic this week. Maureen, I don't know if you saw the news. I don't know why you would. You, it's not like you follow this stuff. But last week at Comic-Con, we talked all about Marvel's new movies. Yeah. And they also made a big announcement, huge announcement, that Avengers Endgame is now the biggest movie of all time. It finally surpassed <gasps> Avatar. Are you kidding? Yeah. So it's now made more than $2.793 billion worldwide. Now, of course, that's not adjusted for inflation. And Avatar came out 10 years ago. So if you do that, then Avatar is still ahead. But just in terms of pure amount of money that it's made, Avengers Endgame has taken the cake. And the interesting thing about the story is that there was this group of people, like group of serious fans of this, 
that went to see the movie over and over and over. I guess they disliked Avatar so much. How or much? They were on a mission to beat it. They were on a mission to beat Avatar. One guy saw the movie 21 times in theaters. I mean, that's a, I saw it twice, and that was plenty. You know, I'll probably see it again when it comes out, but on, on you know, like streaming. But 21 times in theaters, it's a three-hour movie. I mean, hour he could movie. just buy the tickets and not watch it. Oh, but he went. He went 21 times to see the movie. That's bananas. And so, so these fans, like, really took pride in the fact that they felt like they had a big hand in pushing the movie up to the top of the all-time box office list. Well, they did it. They succeeded. Also, I wanted to mention uh, uh, one correction from last week. We talked all about Marvel's new slate of movies, and I mentioned that they had only announced four new movies, but in fact, they announced five new movies. And in addition to that, Spider-Man Far From Home which is the latest Marvel release, has now topped $1 billion at the global box office, which means that between the, the five new movies that they've announced, they are looking at 4 to $5 billion more dollars, which is a pretty good investment when you think about the fact that they're only putting in less than a billion dollars to make all five of those movies. Sorry, just going on the record again, this latest Spider-Man wasn't even that good. So that's crazy that it's making that much money. All right. Our last snack bag topic is actually sort of a non-topic because we're not going to talk about it this week. We're going to save the discussion of these new movie trailers that came out that I showed Maureen. We're going to save them for an upcoming Oscars preview. Last year, I think late summer, early fall, we talked about sort of Oscar movies that were coming out in the fall and the winter that we thought might be players at the Oscars. And in these two new movie trailers that just came out, one was A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which is the Tom Hanks-led Mr. Rogers film. And then the other film is called Harriet, which is the Harriet Tubman film led by Cynthia Arrivo. I think those both might be Oscar films, so we're going to save our discussion of those trailers for a little bit down the road, but I just want to let you know that they just came out, so go check them out, and then in a month or two, we'll be talking about Oscar favorites for this upcoming season. Honey, while we're talking about giving hints at what we're going to talk about in future episodes, do you want to tell everybody what movie they should rewatch now for next week's episode? Yeah, so next week, we're going to go back and we're going to do another installment of Critically Panned. And we are going to take a look at The Mighty Ducks, the original Mighty Ducks movie. It's on HBO streaming now if you have HBO. If not, sign up for a free trial, rewatch the movie. Or if you're like me, you have a VHS copy and you still have a VHS player. Which go we ahead, do. Go ahead and watch it because we're going to talk about it with two special guests. We're not going to tell you who those are yet. Stay tuned. But we're Maureen and I are going to be uh, not on our bedroom floor. And so our special guests will be joining us there. And it'll be very exciting to discuss that movie. Okay, honey. Tell everyone what the best premiere topic of all time is this week. We are talking about Maureen's favorite actor of all time. Of try all to, time. Try to contain your excitement until uh, till it's time. I can't. Okay. We're going to talk about Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, I love him. This topic was inspired by an article that appeared on The Hollywood Reporter called How Leonardo DiCaprio Became Hollywood's Last Movie Star. The article was written by Tatiana Siegel. And a special thanks to our listener and sister-in-law, Kathy, for sending us this article. So the article basically talks about how Leo is pretty much the only remaining movie star out there who hasn't taken throwaway supporting roles. He hasn't appeared in a superhero franchise. He hasn't done a Netflix movie. He hasn't starred in a family film or a franchise. He isn't really active in sharing anything about his personal life on Instagram or Twitter. He mainly uses those platforms to talk about environmental issues. But he has remained, despite all of that, pretty much the only global superstar that's left. Pretty much every movie he does 
makes a boatload of money. And that includes movies. That doesn't just include movies where he is a traditional leading man, something like Inception, where he looks like and acts like a leading man, but also in movies like The Revenant, where he won his first and only Oscar, where he's pretty much beaten up and has a a long gross beard and he's living in the wild you know like even those movies make tons and tons of money so for our episode this week following the release of his latest film and actually his only film in the last four years it's called once upon a time in hollywood we are dedicating this episode to leo okay maureen it's finally time for you to talk so we're going to kick things off and i want to ask you what was your introduction to leonardo dicaprio and Tell the people, if they haven't heard on a past episode where I'm sure you've mentioned this before about your binder, just give us the whole history on when you were first introduced to Leonardo DiCaprio. You make it sound so creepy. It wasn't creepy. It was love at first sight. But basically, I was on a family vacation in Iowa when I was 12 years old over Christmas break, and I, with my family, saw Titanic. And we kind of went and had no idea what it was, and I was so affected by this movie. So 12-year-old Maureen seeing Leo as Jack Dawson in Titanic, the fact that, spoiler alert, he dies at the end, I was, I, I cried for like three days. Like, I don't think I, you need to give a spoiler alert for a movie I that's mean, more just, than 20 I'm years old. I'm just saying, if you haven't seen it. But I, 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 at the time, like I don't have words. Like as a 12-year-old, this was like really like my first big crush and his role in that movie was just so dreamy and like he was young and like, I don't know. So anyway, I ended up seeing Titanic seven times in the theaters over the course of the next. You're sort of like those Avengers guys months. who went yeah. to see it 21 but times. But I was doing it because I thought I was going to marry Leonardo DiCaprio, not because I wanted to like beat box office records. And what did you think? You thought I need to know this film that he was in so well that if I ever marry him, we can talk about it. No, I just wanted to be closer to him. and That was the only way I could do it. I don't know. I mean, I was 12. So there was not a lot of rational thought going on here. I did start a club at school called Adidal. All day I dream about Leo. <laughs> and we <laughs> used to have funny. birthday parties for his birthday and like we would make a cake. I also made a, a Leo binder. So I created this like five inch binder with every page in a page protector going through. There was, I had a table of contents and there were, and this was before computers were like a big thing. Like I was on my grandpa's computer and like using our at home printer. I would cut in the Washington Post. They had the like top box office movies and Titanic was top in the box office for several months. And every week I would cut that out with a new picture of Titanic that they used. And that's in the binder in the newspaper section. There was a section for every movie. There was a section for him on magazine covers. There was a section for magazine articles. I mean. Well, we should point out that Titanic was not his first movie. And in no, fact, he but was that in was a movie, his superstar movie. Sure. But he was in a movie. A couple of years before, I think 1994, something like that, where he was nominated for an Oscar in What's Eating Gilbert Grape. 93. 93. Okay. So when you saw Titanic, did you then go back and watch the movies that had, I had been out? I sure did. Okay. Much to my mother's chagrin. So my mom basically was like, well, she was really supportive and very sweet. She even, well, like my dog had puppies and she was like, maybe we need to write to Leo and give him one of the puppies and that's how I could meet him. Like my mom was like really trying to help me here. So yeah, I did go back and I was like, well, I have to watch everything he's ever done. So he was on the show Growing Pains and 
Disney Channel syndicated that. So I would record on VHS all of the episodes of Growing Pains. I still have these VHSs. We can watch And he was only in 23 episodes total. But it was delightful. And he was really young at that point. And then I went back and watched the movies. And some of the movies that he was in, so the ones that he was in before Titanic, This Boy's Life we watched, which is with Robert De Niro and He's an abusive father. Like these were a lot of them were rated above what I should have been seeing. My mom watched them all with me and like made sure it was safe. A lot of them had adult themes. He was not good looking in really any of them. What's eating Gilbert Grape? He actually plays someone with a mental handicap. I don't remember exactly what the diagnosis of his character was, but that was a very I mean, he was nominated for an Oscar. It was a great role for him, um, but it was a very different from seeing him as Jack Dawson. So yes, I did go back and try to watch all of these other movies. From then on, you pretty much would see any Leo movie that came out following that. And I will say that he had been in Romeo and Juliet as Romeo with Claire Danes. And that one I also watched a lot. Like that one was, he was equally dreamy. I mean, not equally. Jack Dawson's just a better character. And the Jack and Kate dynamic. We should do an episode just on Titanic. Well, my introduction to Leonardo DiCaprio, I believe was probably Titanic as well. It was the first PG-13 movie I ever saw in theaters. I also had no idea what I was going into. A friend's babysitter. I'm surprised you were allowed to see that. A friend's babysitter took myself and the person she was babysitting. I was 10 at the time, I guess. And yeah, I mean, I think I had the opposite reaction. I was like, I don't get why people are so obsessed with this guy. He's kind of a, he's kind of lame. Yeah, I mean, I was a nine or ten. But you loved boy. Kate Winslet. Yeah, but not at the time. I don't think I yeah. really cared. So I didn't really have a firm appreciation for Leonardo DiCaprio until years and years later when I realized that oh, this guy is actually a really good actor and has continued to be a good actor and made really impressive choices in the movies he's taken. So I think my appreciation for Leonardo DiCaprio probably peaked around 2010 when Inception came out. Great We're going to talk about more in and I's favorite Leonardo DiCaprio roles and our favorite Leonardo DiCaprio movies in case they're different. But I think that's probably when I started to appreciate this guy really does know what he's doing. And he's done a really good job of picking roles where he's able to sort of stretch that acting muscle. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously... Since Titanic, the movie that he did immediately after that was The Man in the Iron Mask, in which he plays a good and evil twin. It's a far cry from Titanic. I mean, Leo does well in it, but it's kind of goofy. But I think that he's gone on to do some really hard acting pictures. Like, he's done some really, really great roles. Obviously, he's won an Oscar now. But Warren's he, also been transported back to the early 1900s. Uh, he's done some good acting pictures. <laughs> he's been in the pictures, everybody. Uh, even the even the talking ones, the talkies. I don't know. I just think that he, at the time of Titanic, I was reading all these articles and things, books about him. I don't think he wanted like superstardom, and I don't think he wanted to be a heartthrob. And I think he very much has held fast to the fact that he is an actor and he picks things based on roles he wants to play. And I think that you can see that through line through his career. I think what's most interesting about him as an actor is that if you look at other performers or other actors, even other people who you might consider movie stars. Every single one of them has gone on to try to do something different, whether it's they want to try their hand at theater or they want to try their hand at at YouTube vlogging. I'm thinking about Will Smith has his own YouTube channel now. He does? Yeah, that's like a global movie star who is trying this other avenue. And it, it might not have been his idea, but he's fully committed to it now. But you look at Leonardo DiCaprio, and he hasn't done any of that. He kind of knows where he is successful, yeah. where he's strong, and he's stuck with that. Like, he hasn't tried to do a musical, or he hasn't tried to, like, go to Broadway. He's just stuck to what he's good at. And I think that's made him really successful. I also think that he cares less about the fame 
And he just wants to focus on his craft. I mean, I haven't talked to him, although Leo, if you're listening, it is my dream to meet you. I will also say I'm not a crazy stalker fan anymore. Like I have not seen probably even half of his movies. And as he's done some that have been like more violent or more dark and they're just kind of not my thing, like I haven't seen some of them. But he will always be my favorite actor just because he is so iconic. And I want to say like, I want to say upscale or high class, but that's not it. It's that it's his roles, his performances are always high quality or as high quality as he can get. I'm thinking specifically of his accent in Gangs of New York, which was not. It's bad. Not the best. But he really did commit. And he really tried. He really tried. But his accent is is pretty bad. I have to make a little correction. Maureen says she hasn't seen maybe half of his movies. We went through the list of movies. I think she's not seen maybe three or four total of the ones that he's made. And one of them includes something like Shutter Island, which is more of a thriller horror yeah, I don't movie. Like scary. She hasn't seen Django Unchained, which is a very ultra-violent Tarantino movie. And she hasn't seen his most recent movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, even though she may watch that at some point. So I think you're... I think Don's seen... Plum is on this list? I okay, know, okay. I don't know what I'd that is. I'd say you've seen 75% okay, of his Okay, probably movies. 75%. All right, so that leads us into, we're going to pick our top three favorite leo performances and then we'll pick our top three favorite leo movies so mine are different so the ones that i enjoy are not necessarily my favorite performances of his but maureen i'll let you go first so first and foremost obviously i'm going to say my favorite performance and favorite movie of leo are obviously titanic i've got 10 bucks in my pocket i have nothing to offer you and i know how the world works i'm flying i'm the king of the favorite movie of all time this will not change so i'll pick two others i have to say though speaking of titanic and i mean that honestly his role his i'm sorry honey i'm still defending my choice it's okay you don't have to defend it to me i understand he's so good in that and that movie is so good i have to say that in maureen's defense a little bit i was not a fan of titanic when i first saw it i was a 10 year old boy and i didn't really understand the fuss about the romantic story Look, there are flaws with the movie. The writing is pretty bad, but it's actually really well done, and he is good in it. And so I don't, I don't begrudge you the fact that you love that movie so much. It's not my favorite movie of all time, but I can see why you would like it. And especially, you know, you were twelve when you saw it. It made a huge impression on you. Okay, so I'm gonna say the movies that I like the best. The other two movies are Romeo and Juliet and Inception, because I really like him his performance, and I would watch those movies again and again. If I'm looking at just his acting performance, like what do I think he's really great in? What's Eating Gilbert Grape, 1993 movie that he was also nominated for, is a phenomenal performance. No way, no way, no way. You, go down there, Gilbert. Is there a problem? Dad's in there. Ooh. Ooh. Dad in there. For my second one, I'm going to go ahead and pick Wolf of Wall Street. My name is Jordan Belfort. The year I turned 26, I made $49 million, which really pissed me off because it was three shy of a million a week. We're making a name for ourselves. I thought he was especially good in that one, but also the quaalude scene when he's crawling into the car, and I just lost it. If you haven't seen that movie, there's a scene where Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Jordan Belfort, he takes these quaaludes and he's really like tripped out and he has this moment where he can't walk anymore and he has to crawl to his car. It's very over the top, but he really, again, I mean, I can't imagine acting that. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Okay, what are your top three Leo 
performances and top three Leo movies. Okay, my my top three Leo performances. The first one is his most recent film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm Rick Dalton. It's my pleasure, Mr. Schwartz. Call me Marvin. Put it there. That your son? No, it's my stunt double, Cliff Booth. All right, what's the matter, partner? It's official, old buddy. Has been. I think that the reason that I like this performance so much, and I just saw this movie on Friday, the day that it came out, he just seems to get it. Like the character and him just seem to meld together. The movie's set in Los Angeles, and Leonardo DiCaprio grew up in Los Angeles. It's about an actor who is sort of fading from the spotlight. And, and while that's not Leo's journey, Currently, I think that he probably knows enough people who that is their journey. I think he's gone through seasons of that, too. Yeah. He's probably felt like he's more on the back burner. And certainly he was snubbed for several different Oscars. He wasn't nominated for Titanic. You know, he there was a couple where he thought he would get nominated. So I think he probably can relate to that. He's just really good in that movie. He commits so hard and he's totally believable as this as this character. So that's that's one. Another one is his work in The Departed. You're gonna take Costello, huh? I mean, what's wrong with taking him on any one of the million f-ing felonies that you've seen him do or I've seen him do? I mean, I mean, he murdered somebody, right? The guy f-ing murders somebody, and you don't f-ing take him. It's not one of my favorite movies of all time. It's not my favorite Martin Scorsese movie, but he is super underrated in that movie. That movie has a ton of star power. And I think he's by far the best one. And he wasn't even nominated for an Oscar. He wasn't really recognized for that performance. But he, again, just commits so hard. And I think he's excellent in that movie. My last choice would be him in Revolutionary Road. We can't go on pretending that this is the life we wanted. I support you, don't I? I work 10 hours a day at a job I can't stand. You don't have to. But I have the backbone not to run away from my responsibilities. Who made these rules anyway? Another movie which I probably won't watch over and over and over again. It's incredibly sad. It's a depressing movie. But it was the one where it was really hyped up because it was him and Kate Winslet coming back together after Titanic. And she got most of the acclaim for that movie. But I think he plays that so well. So if you haven't seen it, I think it's worth watching just for his performance alone. And... Fun fact, that one was directed by Kate Winslet's husband. At the time. Yeah. So now her ex-husband. But at the time, like Leo and Kate were reunited in a lot of physical scenes being directed by Kate's husband. So even despite that potential awkwardness. All right. So my three favorite Leo movies, and one of these I almost chose for my favorite Leo performance, but one of them is Inception. I just find that one incredibly entertaining. I think Christopher Nolan is one of the best storytellers and directors of our of our current generation of directors. The next one is Gangs of New York, but it's not because of Leo. Like, I like the movie overall, and in fact, Daniel Day-Lewis in that movie is really what makes that movie so exciting and so good. Leo really does try hard, but his Irish accent is abominable. It's it's really, really bad. Prim-looking stargazer. Hmm. But i check my pockets if I was you, because I do believe she lifted your timepiece. And then my last one is... Blood Diamond, which I think is another underrated Leo performance. Also another questionable accent. I I think it's better. He does a (laughs) South African accent. So what are you? Smuggler. You're a journalist. Sometimes you're here to make a difference, huh? And you're here to make a buck. You know, in America it's bling bling, but out here it's bling bang. And I think it's certainly better than, than his Irish accent. And he did get nominated for an Oscar. 
and I just find that movie really entertaining. It's not like the greatest movie of all time, but it is it is a pretty good performance from him. Okay, so the last thing about our deep dive into Leonardo DiCaprio before we wrap this up is just kind of discussing a little bit and quickly why we think he has remained so popular and why he is such a global box office draw. And I'll just give my two cents and then I'll let Maureen chime in to, to close us out. But I think part of what makes him so popular is that he doesn't share anything about his life. And so when he does a role, you don't necessarily think about him as Leonardo DiCaprio, the guy who posted on Instagram the other day that he was hanging out with his dog. You think about him as an actor and you think about him in the role that he's in. And the fact that you don't know about his personal life, that he doesn't really make that a part of who he is on a professional level, I think that really helps him as an actor. I think about someone like Daniel Day-Lewis, who I have no idea about their pers- about his personal life, and he's one of the greatest actors of all time. And I think Leonardo DiCaprio is up there in that echelon of, of performers. What do you think about this? I totally agree. I think there's an air of mystery to him, but I also think that that is fueled by the fact that he seems to care, from what we can tell, he seems to care more about the role and about his craft than he does about money and fame. And I think that is what the differentiator is. He doesn't have an Instagram account and a Twitter account all about his life and his who's dating and where Because he's he doesn't eating. need it. He doesn't care. He doesn't need an ec- any extra money and he doesn't need any extra fame. He doesn't want to be in the tabloids or People Magazine or even when he does these things, how often have you seen him do a People Magazine? I think almost never. Right. And that's not, that's to me is in a different class of, that's not like Us Weekly or another tabloid. That's one where like people will do interviews and like there's, you know, actual reporters and it's but he doesn't do he really, those publicity he really things. only does publicity stuff when it's required by his contract and he appears with his other co-stars for whatever movie he's promoting yeah but he doesn't go on conan he doesn't go like i mean he has maybe very a rarely. handful of times but i'd probably be recording them like he's it's rare he doesn't he doesn't do like the you don't you the don't song see, and dance of it all yeah, that you, other people do you would never see him performing in one of those like jimmy fallon viral videos like that's just not who he is like you wouldn't i would see love him that so much and no i will never see that it and will never be like a karaoke off between and, and jimmy you won't and, Leo. and you won't see him in a lincoln commercial like matthew mcconaughey those are so bad yeah those are so bad but it's true like if you think about all the other things that award-winning actors and actresses do and I don't fault them for it. Like, I love seeing behind the curtain. But he, that's just not who Leo is. He's not motivated by fame or money, it seems. He's really focused on his craft. And I think that is evident in his work. And I think that's what keeps... There's like this intrigue around him. All right. I think that will wrap up our conversation about Leonardo DiCaprio. If there are other stars out there you want us to, to do a deep dive into and give our thoughts on, please let us know. We talked about doing someone like Meryl Streep and someone like Tom Hanks in the past. So maybe we'll look into them for the future episodes. But with that, I think we can move on to our teasers. I will kick off this week. My teaser is a podcast called How to Money. And this is a podcast all about money, hosted by two guys, Matt and Joel. They are best friends from Atlanta. To be completely honest with our listeners, I've never cared much about money and finances. This is so amazing, you guys. Maureen, uh, truthfully, Maureen is the finance guru in our house, partly because she likes it and partly out of necessity because I uh, don't have much of a hand in it. I I mean, certainly am capable, but uh, she's always taken the lead there. But actually, this podcast has made me interested in money and finance. Uh, They make the topic fun and interesting, and they dumb it down for a financial dummy like me. 
So thank you to one of our listeners and previous guests on the podcast, good friend of mine, Peter Laclede, for the recommendation. If you also are not thrilled about money or not that interested, give these guys a listen. I will link the show in our show notes. It's an awesome show. Josh has also gotten me hooked, and I've never been so in love with him as when he told me he was listening to a money podcast. So it's really good. My teaser is something that Josh has recently reintroduced me to. So Josh was a big Veronica Mars fan, and I never watched it. I didn't even know it was really on TV. I just kind of missed it. And so Josh has me going back to season one and rewatching it, and I am officially hooked. It's delightful. So it's on Hulu. Check it out. And they just released a new season. So we're kind of re-watching the first three seasons and the new season four with Kristen Bell, who plays the main character, you know, now in her late 30s. It'll be interesting to see where that goes. So check it out. And if anyone was a Veronica Mars fan and is re-watching it, let us know because we're doing the same thing. All right. That'll do it for this week. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with our premiere topic, The Mighty Ducks, Critically Panned. So tune in for that. And we'll talk to you then. You can leave us feedback, comments, or questions on each episode by going to vernacularpodcast.com slash poppedcast. We would love to hear from you. You can also reach us by emailing thepoppedcast at vernacularpodcast.com. Please also subscribe, rate, and review our show on your podcast app of choice so you don't miss an episode. We'll be back next week, as always, sitting cross-legged on our bedroom floor with a brand new episode. Bye, everybody. Bye. He is talented, so he can back it up, and he's also mysterious and beautiful. (laughs) I love you, Leo.